Hey, this is Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder. Welcome to the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to explore sensing pleasure through your senses and express yourself in a way that is completely free from inhibition. And if you already want to know more, grab a free guide waiting for you here below on the link. And today we have a very special guest. This is Daniel Schmidt. He is a mover, dancer, and a Feldenkrais Method practitioner. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. <laughs> I'm very happy that, that... I'm excited. Yes. Tell us about what makes you excited about movement in such a deep way as it's the somatic movement. Can you recall like like the precise moment or era, era in your life that compelled you to? Hmm. You know, there are stages, but uh, bit by bit it became clear to me that, that there's a truth in movement, that we can't lie to others, and actually we can't even lie to ourselves in our own movement. It's just there. It's real. It's there. It's real. I find this very healing. Very healing. Yeah. yeah. So interesting because, yeah, like maybe we, we, we could lie to ourselves through words or, or ideas, but, but the body is like it's the ultimate reality. And when we move, we, we give what we can in the moment to the moment in a way. Yeah. So there were stages. Can can you remember like uh, a specific moment of of transformation that you were like like in certain mode with your body, with your physical truth, and that changed through through the healing in movement. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see. particular moment yeah you know uh, when I started doing contact improvisation I, I felt like there was this incredible change in how I related to people and you know I personally had a lot of issues about trusting men okay. and if I was actually touching them you know, leaning against them, moving with them, I felt a lot safer. Okay. Yeah, and, and I formed much deeper friendships very quickly. Very, very satisfying. Yeah, because there's this transparency in in the flesh, in the contact of the flesh. Like you can, even like you, if you're aware, you can read the intention of a physical contact. And like, it it strikes me that you had problems with men in regards to trust 
given that you're a guy and you're a big guy and you're strong, like, yeah. like, wow. Because like, I feel that women have a default problem trusting guys because, well, because history and, and most of undeveloped countries, like there's like, like a huge disparity between biological yeah. uh, genders. And like, yeah, I, I don't know one woman from, from my circle that have not uh, been alert from men walking around on the street like <laughs> yeah like being um physically weaker in the sense that we have less muscular mass by the same amount of of weight that we have makes it like more difficult to to protect ourselves so that automatically sets us for a suboptimal um born condition for happiness because like men there are great men in history but i don't know if it's 50 50 good guys and bad guys or it's 20 good guys and 80 <laughs> bad guys so uh would you mind sharing about your experience as a man relating to other men How is that? Because I, I cannot imagine, like, I, I can only imagine from, from my position as a woman, but, like, if I was a guy, like... Yeah. It. Yeah. You know, men are taught in, in the culture I grew up in, we were, we were taught to be competitive, That, that was that was good you know you're a yeah. strong competitor you're, you're going to win which you know if you think just a tiny step farther that means somebody else loses yeah that, yeah. that this is a good thing that they conquer someone to take away their their freedom or, or their joy or their dignity or something and you know this is what we were supposed to be <laughs> and I never really wanted any part of that. It just made me sad. I, I am bigger and stronger than average person. Average, bigger and stronger than average, you know, white Northern Euro male. I mean, you know, yes. uh, and still, like it, it was very uncomfortable. This constant undertone that we relate through violence. Yes. You know? The, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted something very different, but it just caused me to withdraw. You know? I, I didn't see an option. And then in that withdrawal, it caused other people to move in closer because they didn't perceive that I had a boundary. Yeah. And, you know, my boundaries just got closer and closer to me. I was very quiet and contained until it just got to a point where I, I simply, everything was allowable to the point where it was completely not allowable. And people would say, you know, you're, you're not much of a fighter. And I'd be like, no, 
I don't fight, I kill. You know, yeah. and they're like, well, yeah. that's just, you know, it was like the shock. And I was like, well, that not that what we're talking about? You were talking about harming people. I'm like, if you're not harming me sufficiently for me to get motivated, I have no answer for you. Uh, you know, this whole conversation based on violence and domination was horrible. And that was, you know, in the male-to-male interaction. You know, what I saw, the male-to-female interaction, the way I was taught, that was much worse. <laughs> much worse, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we were supposed to... You were supposed to... Supposed to... Men were supposed to take the lead, meaning have all the ideas, <laughs> you know? uh, say all the words, uh, and, and always carry all the weight of everything. And so it, it was not sharing, it wasn't respectful, and I don't see how anyone could feel safe with that, you know, programmed unease. Exactly, exactly. There's no way to feel safe with, with that kind of cultural education. And for me, it's very interesting, like, the way that you formed and defended your opinion in the way that you could, in the way that uh, for your physical complexion, it would be easy, like, to to get into the, the game and the ideology of, yeah, like I have a very good body, like to, to dominate and to compete and to win and to make the other lose. Like it would be very easy to default and correlate like your, like your predisposition of strength to, to fit and comply into that model and you didn't. And it's interesting also what you mentioned about um, retreating and boundaries, because you retreated and instead of the retreat being interpreted as a boundary, as a distancing, people tend, masculine abusive guys, tend to interpret that retreat as an invitation. And no, like no means no. No doesn't mean yes. <laughs> and and yeah, it gets to yeah. where where the the boundary set is a a radical one, and it it happened to me that I say no, and then it's like the other person with two guys. I had the problem, both family members, uh, that they scale on the abuse after I set a limit. Like I think different, and then it was like. I am not agreeing with what you say, like very diplomatically stated boundaries and like, okay, I, I don't like this, please stop. Okay, now you have to stop. And with with every boundary, they scale on the tone, on the aggression, as if it was a competition and it was not a competition. And one of them didn't stop until I threatened him to sue him and put him in jail for harassment that he radically stopped. Like, like really, you you got to to 
increase the, the intensity of the perpetration of the boundary until you got a hard stop threatening your freedom. Like, really? Is that the culture? And the other person, uh, he contained himself because I took the the phone and I I made a, 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 a video call to my lawyer and the lawyer was watching what was happening. And I told him like, you're being recorded and my lawyer is watching what you're saying and, and what you're doing. So you have to stop now. But like, like you say, like, yeah. don't fight. Mm. And, and yeah, I, I believe that this is so wrong. And, and I feel super relieved of, of being talking this and sharing this experience with experience with the audience because it's so widespread uh, mis misbehavior and we women are not now i'm understanding that that men to give much of of ourselves of our space it's much the space that we give up to avoid to avoid conflict and and the risk is that that can affect us in the way that we move even when we are alone on a safe space on our home like we we retreated to our safe safe space and then it be became smaller so so it's nice to understand that it's not only a men, woman, gender problem, but it's also a, a huge problem uh, in the way that men relate to men, that is violence. And yes, I know that a lot of people is gonna scream here telling me that women are violent, but if you look at the demographics and, and like like the real numbers of of the incidents and wars and crimes, uh, like guys make for the ninety-seven percent of of starting and completing an act of, of violence. So now that we're talking about this, like <laughs> I want to to know how how you manage to regain trust and and to to be okay with with your bigness like your big strong guy <laughs> like how how did you got to be okay with that um because i believe there's no way sensuality can happen if you don't feel physically safe meaning there's no way that you can slow down, open to the experience of your senses, to delight in pleasure, being it a chocolate, smelling the flowers, touching yourself, or just proprioceptically enjoying the sense of, of you from within. Why? Because in a situation of violence, you want to be everything but open and sensitive. You actually want to put out your armadillo thick skin and your fist and your knuckles out. Like 
it's bad idea to be sensitive when when you're on a fight. Nevertheless, there can yeah. be a predatory like well, if you're a, a martial artist, maybe you can like turn into a panther, but <laughs> but in general, I feel that um, the discernment of being in in danger of violence versus being in the certainty of safety is foundational. Yeah. That's safety is foundational. <laughs> safety is foundational. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I, I grew up and left home, I, I went to college and I was very fortunate to go to a college that was very small and welcoming and uh, cozy, very socially tolerant. So, so you could be whatever you wanted to be. And the value was on being smart. Uh, weird was just fine. You could be eccentric. You could be quirky. You could certainly be not normal, including not heterosexual or not sexual. It was just fine. And uh, I, I was quickly exposed to a lot of very smart people in a very contained, safe environment who were just trying to do things, you know, uh, and just trying to find ways to relate in a situation where suddenly everybody felt much safer than they would other places. And one of the things that happened was there was a class that had a lot of somatics in it. So wow. here we were talking about feeling things in our body. I got my first exposure to contact improvisation, which was not named then. You know, it was literally brand new. That was 1973. It had just started. Wow. You know, uh, wow. you know, so, yeah. Incredibly fortunate. And Incredibly. Uh, I was sometimes very overwhelmed, you know, and I was very young. So I, I you know, was like, oh, this is going to save the whole world right now. But to tell you the truth, I still think it's the only thing that will save the world. Yes. <laughs> At least for me, you know. We can be good at academics. We can be good at problem solving. We can be good at finance or, or you know, social conversation. But it has no depth or meaning if we have no connection to our physical experience. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It has no meaning if it has no so, but, experience. Nice. Yeah, we got. Uh, I got a chance to to start on that, and it was beautiful and it was shocking. Yeah. Oh. And I didn't know what to do with it next. I didn't know where to go. You know, I I, I heard of Moshe Feldenkrais, but I thought you had to go to Israel to see him. <laughs> I had no idea that I could go up to you know Amherst, Massachusetts, and meet him and people who were doing these things that 
I hoped were possible. Uh, but, you know, some of it is access to these things is class dependent, meaning you've got to have money and you have to have information. And, you know, before the Internet, the information was hard to get. And for me, money wasn't there then. You know, I was relatively poor, you know, dropped out of college because I couldn't pay for it. And, uh, you know, and how, over time, I learned more things. That, yeah. So, like, you got out of, of your beautifully contained and happy college. So how yeah. what happened afterwards? Like, you dropped your contract contact improv movement or you dive deeper you forgot about everything what happened it, it all kind of i it went on hold that i didn't do much for oh 17 years and 17 I, years you know, like I, 10 plus 7 years yep a lot uh, yep Like twice fold your yeah. age back then almost. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. How did you manage like to taste heaven and then go to everyday living without that for yeah. some years? Did you just forgot about it? Or you got engulfed? Not exactly. You know, I, I, I made my living doing construction work. And I liked that particularly because you could just leave a job and get a different job. Uh, you know, that was very easy where I lived. There was a big amount of building going on. So I would work for a while. And then I would just hang out with my friends and play guitar and just be and read books and talk to interesting people and then I would run out of money and I would go build some things again. <laughs> and, uh, build things again. And um, your work yeah. in construction, like it was an embodied ex experience or you, you turn into a robotic kind of movement because construction is quite physical. So how do Did you make like the integration of the awareness or or maybe the context was not a proper one because like it's a super male dominated environment construction and aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was mixed. You uh, know, okay. there's a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of conservative male dominated thinking. Yeah. I learned to hide my personality some and I learned not to say smart things because people would get nervous. <laughs> But also there is a certain physical wisdom that's part of doing it. And I, I remember particularly the first time somebody said to me, you got to put some ass into that. You got to put and, some you know, ass into that. Meant, Bam. Yeah. yeah. Bam, right? Power. Right? Power comes from the pelvis. They understood that. They didn't yeah. use those words. Yeah. <laughs> But, no. Wow. Uh, th 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 uh, I, I'm yeah. going to tell that to my clients. 
<laughs> like you gotta put some ass into that. But, yeah. But like I I get the feeling that that person told you, but in in a in a loving commanding way, like you gotta put some ass into that or you're gonna break your spine. Like, so it went like a straightforward yeah. like savior indication. And did you put some ass into that? Afterwards, or, or you did? Yeah. You know, I, I, I learned a lot more about how to use my body in a strong and sustainable way. Strong yeah. and sustainable. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. And what happened afterwards? Like, you, you had like. This, you know? This freedom, hard work, earned freedom. And like, did you continue yeah. for long doing construction? Seventeen years. So what happened? What yeah. what changed that? Yeah, I, I I just uh, just made it a big change, and I went to massage school to be a massage therapist. Wow! So you went um, to construction work to massage to to become a massage therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, by then I was 35 and I could see that, you know, staying in construction wasn't going to be a good fit for me. Uh, you know, I, I'm not business motivated, so I wouldn't be in control. And I am intellectual and artistic and those weren't popular things to be. There. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and originally I thought, oh, I can go to massage school and do some, you know, massages during the week and still have the energy left to play music, which I love to do. Um, uh, but when I went to massage school, that just took over. It took uh, over. Just like, wow. Yeah, that was everything. Uh, you know, I, I played one more show after I started massage school and I didn't even try and like, find any new bands or any new gigs playing no it was like it was bodies bodies <laughs> more all. bodies yeah yeah yep. and it makes me think that well <laughs> i i i'm mostly a massage experiencer i've gotten massage <laughs> but now <laughs> i'm realizing that being a massage therapy is it's a construction work. Like, it's a physical hands-on work. And yes. the material is the body, the, 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 the flesh. So I am curious about, like, yeah, like, how, how did, did the experience of your own body in your work change? Like, in terms of sensuality and delight, and, and not in a sexual way, but in a pure, enjoyable way of, of the body. Like, what was the difference of doing um, the construction work that is a lot of physical work, but with weight versus the bodies that, okay. well, you have to 
lift a leg maybe or or move an arm, but it's not the same as as like heavy duty construction. So how was it for you? It you know it it was fascinating. It was compelling. Uh, it was also easier, you know, in terms of construction workers get hurt a lot, a lot. Uh, a lot of it, you just ignore. People say, oh, look, you, you, your skin is so tan, you look nice and brown and strong. And it's like, no, the sun burns me every day and sawdust and sand and concrete get in my eyes and my nose and, you know, little wires and splinters and I cuts all the time you know it's like a day where you you know you did nothing got cut or nothing got bruised was probably pretty rare pretty rare uh, hardcore uh, yeah you know there's bad smells there's incredibly harsh loud sounds and there's a constant sense of danger yeah sense uh, of danger. yeah you know, when you when you do massage, like there's no danger. There's yeah. no danger. No, yeah. yeah. Nothing is gonna fall on top of you. You're not gonna cut right. with a splinter yeah. or a wire. Right. You know, a, a client may have a meltdown and uh you know, it, it is not a personal concern because I'm bigger than almost everybody I work with, but occasionally people have been attacked by clients. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, you know, again, more of a concern for women, more of a concern for smaller women, but it's there. It's there. You know? It's there. Uh, uh, you know, I, I had one client verbally threaten me, uh, a woman who just was, you know, in a bad place of mental illness, I think. Uh, and one client uh, knocked my glasses off once, just kind of flailing. And she said it was just shock from an accident, but I didn't believe her. <laughs> I really didn't. I believed that she was somehow frightened and lashing out and slightly aware I was there, you know. Uh, and I, you know, got my head out of the way, but she managed to hit my glasses as I pulled back. And I was like, oh. Okay, stay awake. <laughs> you know, like, uh, people have sharp reactions when you touch places in their body where they store a lot of trauma. Yeah. yeah. So there are places in the body that store a lot of trauma. Bam. Yeah. Bam. Bam. And touching that place is like... <laughs> like bringing forth the the experience of the trauma in maybe non a non-rational way but on a on an experiential fleshly level yeah yeah what does what are the the most common trauma storage areas on the body yeah so it's places that I particularly notice, you know, are like the belly and the face where we have a lot of nerves and a, a lot of vulnerability in terms of survival and protection. 
Uh, but trauma can be stored by the nervous system a lot of different ways. And sometimes it's very systemic, you know, that uh, something like a sudden movement, uh, you know, high speed discontinuous movement is somehow a trigger for a person. And for somebody else, it, it might be a soft, continuous movement that has a, a lovely consecutive sequence can be shockingly threatening to them. Wow. Wow. I, and, you know, sometimes we can unpack these. Sometimes the narrative becomes clear. Like, you know, if, if somebody was touched in appropriately when they were young and it was you know, someone stroking their cheek, but, you know, they felt a background of a, a, an intent that was traumatic, perhaps sexual, perhaps other controlling things. Then, it, you know, a simple re-stimulation of that, a, a soft touch to their cheek could bring up terror. Terror. And, and you know, and rage. Because rage is a great way to defend ourselves when we're in terror. Uh, uh, um, so, so makes sense that, yeah. that we we have very ingrained tactile memories in the body. So. That makes me think that in regards to pleasure, there's no one formula fits all because a very soft, continuous touch could trigger terror in someone. Though, yeah. like I could roll in pleasure with the chick super, I like it yeah. a lot. <laughs> and also this continuous move strong movement it's super weird for me but i'm okay <laughs> yeah. so, so it, it's as if everyone has has an, a map of their own trauma and hardships and in the same way like it's important that every, that each person discovers like their pleasure fingerprint or like like the way that it feels good to to experience the body and to touch themselves and be touched yeah uh, and in regards to to your own experience with with pain physical pain Can you remember a, a key moment where movement opened a way to healing? Hmm. Like a chronic pain or something. Yeah, I've, there's there's so many. There's a big cloud in my thinking right now. All these these various things that that I did, you know, and I'll, I'll just go back to the construction work because there's experiences, there's things in construction where you have to hold big things up yes, and you get tired 
And if you let them fall, you're going to get really hurt. Uh, you better not let, it's worse to let them yeah. fall. You know, and sometimes things aren't going well and I'm holding up a, a big beam while somebody else is, you know, put in bolts that hold it in place. And, you know, I'm getting tired and shaking and, and I start to realize, oh, I can shift my body little tiny ways. And, oh, look, I, if I just scoot my pelvis a couple millimeters, to the left, oh, that, that burning pain in my back eases up. Oh, oh, you know, and that lasts for a while. And then maybe I have to make some other little shift. But there, there's a strange meditation to doing really heavy work like that. That, you know, it becomes immediately clear, like, oh, this tiny change. And that feels really incredibly relieving. And, and there's, a, you know, an intellectual, emotional relief of, oh, I'm going to survive this. <laughs> oh, super hardcore. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes it's like, oh, if this, if this goes wrong, if this beam, you know, slips out of the pocket that it's supposed to fit in, we're going to get knocked off this ladder or knocked off this building. This is not a viable situation. It must work. Yeah. And, and recognize that even in desperation that we have these micro adjustments available to us. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a special learning to that. Yeah. yeah. Like a different, finding different ways to go through the way of no return, because like you, you have, it's you hold the beam or you hold the beam. <laughs> Like there, yeah. there is no other option. And you know, right. it makes me think that 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 true presence has this quality of survival because we mm. fortunately live in a culture that has a lot of options. Like you go to Starbucks and you get to choose like Small, venti, tall, whatever, soy milk, coconut milk, normal milk, uh, with no lactose or full or with water and with chocolate sprinkles or with chia or, <laughs> or matcha tea or whatever. So we have a lot of options and a lot of comfort mm -hmm. that is basically good because it relates to safety and, and to be able to choose. But... But there's a lot of power in this, like, full presence of of making no concessions because having no other choice. And that absolute presence, you can find that you do have options. Not to back up from the way, but to go through the way. And... I like a lot that you found the answers through the flesh. And then you realize mentally like, ah, yeah, it's possible. Where it's, it's possible to sustain the effort. Therefore, we all not falling from the building because I made this micro millimeter adjustment. And you know, I, I am not a mother yet, but 
I feel that women may relate to that during childbirth. Like, mm. when the time is due, there's no way the woman can say, no, I'm going to stay another three months here <laughs> pregnant. No, it's yep. like, you got to get, that kid is going to, has to come to the world, like, now. <laughs> and, yeah. and one millimeter is a huge distance in the body a huge distance, especially from the center and from from the ilium bones that move. And I'm loving how, how your experience of a tiny movement leads to the acute low back pain holding something heavy, like disappeared completely, how you were able to endure the effort because in a way that precise sensibility in the body is like an epicenter of the self. Like you move one millimeter in the body and then the whole body moves as, as a pebble dropping in a pond and making ripples that reach the edges of of the pond. Yeah. Milaiki, would you share with us a little movement experience to to feel more safe in our body or, mm -hmm. or a poem or something that you like to share? So we like embody what we've been talking about. Yeah. So, so there's uh a little thing that, that I like to teach people for stressful social situations. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we, we all go through them, you know, things that are just socially challenging. And it, it's very instinctive that we draw into our center in a very physical way that we contract and we start to protect our throat and our belly and, We draw our legs up and our arms tighten and we're, we're ready for fight flight. So instead of doing that or recognizing that we're going to start to do that, we just simply press one foot down. And, oh, super effective immediately. Yeah. And then with that foot down, just kind of, like try and rub it around either, you know, on, on the floor or inside of your shoe, you know, but with some pressure on there, like, yeah, it's just move, let your knee move a little side to side and forward and back and feel how that changes the contact with your foot and where you can apply the pressure. Um, and just switch to the other foot. Press that foot down and really, really press it. Like, like, gosh, you know, as we said before, put some ass into it. <laughs> and like, yeah. And then squish it all around, press different ways. And what, one of the things we're doing here is we're preparing the body for running. Like, and the brain goes, oh, good. I know where my feet are. I can run away if this situation really turns sour. Yeah. Wow. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Like 
I, I feel safe because I know that I can react at the moment that I stop feeling safe. Like react yeah. in a physical, concrete level of running away. Yeah. And, you know, fantastic. You know, and then the, the corollary is that, you know, from a, a martial arts perspective, our feet are our best weapons. You know, legs are bigger than arms. So you just woke up this two big weapons. Yeah. Uh, so if somebody does push the boundaries, you know, it's one thing to hold your hand up and say, stop. It's another thing to put a foot up against the chest and go, you are stopping. You, know, you so, are stopping. Yes, it's not a uh, symbol. It's an action. Wow. Yeah. I'm liking it. And from the moment that you stomp, uh -huh, that you stomp the, well, that you push the feet to the ground and that you put some mass into it, like, like if yeah. someone is saying something that it's still intended and you just do this, like you step your, because I saw both of us in the screen, the moment when we did it, it's like you're saying yeah. with the body, like, yeah. I'm not telling you to stop. I am showing you that I am ready to stop you or to stop this situation. Yes. Fantastic and elegant, Daniel. Love yeah. this. Loving this. So how can can we know more about what you're doing? Are, are you currently giving massage therapy, building cries? Tell us what you're yeah. doing now and how can so, we... Yes, I... I... See private clients. I occasionally work over the internet and I teach and I teach for massage therapists because I, you know, want that whole profession to have more education and skill. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, the easiest way for people to reach me is through my website, somadan, S O M A D A N.com. And uh, I'm here. I love this. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I should say, you know, my passion is working with complex trauma. Complex trauma. I, you know, I'm happy to help anybody. And I think often, you know, when people think, oh, it's just a shoulder pain, but it has to do maybe with some some old injury and some emotion and some holding back or or having to give more than we wanted. But, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time studying trauma, particularly sexualized trauma, uh, sexualized child abuse. It took, you know, it's child abuse, but it has a sexual vector. Right? And uh, I work with a lot of people with these things, you know, and we put it in the body so it makes sense. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. When you put yeah. it in the body, it makes sense. Thank you right. so much, Daniel. This is real wonderful episode with very practical application. So visit www.somadan.com and make an appointment. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Very happy. Thank you. It's great, great to work with you, you know. Keep doing this. It's important. Yes. We'll keep on going. Thank you so much, Daniel. And thank you, 
essentialist that you're watching and listening the essential sessions podcast so if you want to know more about how to become acquainted with your own sensitivity grab the gift waiting for you on centraldepoder.com just enter your email get yourself signed up and you will also get weekly delivered these episodes to your inbox until next time remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame <laughs>